0: i um, to make a start. Can you hear me out the back a lot, Katie? That's okay. That sounds okay at back. Okay. Welcome to the second of our uh, public meetings on Tuesdays today. You do want to do as good as I can uh, I suggested to you last week that um, the Bible has a very grand narrative uh, which talks about the way in which God interacts with humanity and the way in which humanity interacts with God. And in some senses, the way in which humanity interacts with uh, other members of humanity. And uh, I suggested that we could summarise the story uh, in, in this way. Um, Oh, that's really bad. <laughs> you'll see why. You'll see why. Are we recording this talk? I'm not naming the world. And uh, as my children like to draw the world, it looks a bit like pizza like the first time I've heard it, it did look like pizza. Yeah. Uh, so God made the world, and we say these are the first days. Uh, but then uh, evil entered the world. I'm not sure what sort of symbol we can use for evil. Um so I'm just going to write evil. Um, you've got a blank outline there in front of you. You can come up with a good symbol for evil. You can work on that now, if you like. And oh, I'm serious. Uh, the best I can come up with is a cross. But not like something that looks like this. Um, or just sort of darkness. You know in those horror movies how the, uh, when the uh, demons come, sort of almost darkness enshrouds the person? I don't know. So God creates the world, uh, but then evil enters the world. Um, but then God comes up with a way to save the world in the person of Jesus. Which, as we know from Acts chapter 2, was actually God's plan from before the beginning of the world. So it wasn't a sort of a second option, as if God had made the world, mankind stuffs it up, and God goes, No, didn't think of that. Why are they going to do that? Now that raises all sorts of questions, doesn't it, about God and the way in which he deals with the world and the way in which he deals with humanity. Um, We'll come to that in a minute. But then we also have what we're calling a last day, and here I'm just going to draw the world again, but this time... I'll do it like this. Because the Bible says that on the last day uh, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And then we also have a today. The date of which is? What's the date? There you go. This is the Bible's grand narrative that we were talking a bit about last week. Uh, This is the way in which... Uh, Humanity interacts with God and and God interacts with humanity. I suggested to you last week that Jesus is actually the centrepiece of this plan of God. Uh, Jesus is the one around whom all of human history revolves. Today, we're going to consider the implications of the claim that Jesus makes, that he is the Lord of the world. Uh, We're going to do it by looking at the way in which we relate to one another, uh, the way in which we belong and who we are. Uh, last week I uh, said that I was give you the opportunity to ask questions, uh, and I'm sorry I didn't, so this week you have that opportunity. Here's how you're going to do it. If you have a question, you can send me a text message. And within the next half an hour, I'll get to the questions, and I'll try and answer them. You're sitting there going, what the? <laughs> well, go on, try If you have a question, send it to that. I want you to complete this sentence for me. I think if we surveyed everyone in the room, I reckon I can guess 95% of the respondents' answers. See, for some particular reason, we all want longer-lasting relationships. <laughs> That's not what he thought. Ah, wonder where I've been living. See, humanity—we're gregarious by nature. We actually want longer-lasting relationships. But I want to suggest to you that in this day and age, particularly in our society, we actually make the mistake of thinking that relationships are all about sex, which is why the advertising slogan that this particular company comes up with has been shown to be exceptionally effective for all sorts of reasons. Uh, another staggering statistic. I want This is the total turnover of a particular industry. It's the pornography industry, on an annual basis. $97 billion, which has a total turnover than Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple and Netflix all combined. Wow. See, our society wants relationships. But often, what do we run to? We run to pornography, in the hope that that will give us a relationship that we want. Perhaps our society really has got relationships a bit mixed up. I wonder if this is because we presume that sexual intimacy is what it means to be in a relationship. And so if we're not being sexually intimate with anybody, we presume that we're not in a relationship. Well, I wonder what your relationships look like. Um, you are the Gen Y. Can I just say we? That makes it a lot easier. Can I just say we're Gen Y? <laughs> uh, so we're Gen Y. We're the, uh, we're the really hip generation. We're the generation that uh, likes to think they can change the world uh, by lunchtime. Uh, and uh, we're the generation that wants to live the experience of the moment. If that's not you, then you can come and talk to me afterwards and we'll just you know, go and stand by ourselves somewhere. But you see, uh, what do our relationships look like? Well, I want to suggest that they revolve a lot around technology. They revolve around things like Facebook, like Twitter, like uh, your mobile phone, which I'm fairly sure most of you at least have in your pocket, you in your hand. Um, I was around before mobile phones, Okay, so I'm not doing it. Uh, I before mobile phones. The thing I've noticed about mobile phones is uh, that people carry them in their hand handbags. Uh, when mobile phones first came out, they lived in people's briefcases. Uh, they were a business tool, and they were about that, big. <laughs> no mobile, mobile about that big. They were like bricks. See, with the development of mobile phones and the expectation that that would be the means of your relationship. Notice that the phone is now carried in the hand. Someone might call me. I don't want to get it out of my pocket but I want to talk to them straight away. Someone might send me a text and I want to straight back again. Now this in and of itself is not a wrong thing but it does actually show us something about the way in which our culture and our society values in terms of relationship. What do your relationships look like? Perhaps you are good friends with a small number of people and are quite intimate and close with them. Perhaps you know lots of people, but perhaps you don't really know them at all. Uh, I I met one of my Facebook friends the other day (laughs) for the first time. (laughs) Uh, We became friends on Facebook and I sort of vaguely knew him and he sort of vaguely knew me and we actually met each other by chance. What sort of relationship is that? Someone who I don't really know, I call my friend. Someone who I rarely engage with face to face, I call my friend. What sort of relationships do you have? So I think one of the things that we find, uh, particularly here at university, is that you uh, experience the move from essentially Uh, young adulthood into mature adulthood. And one of the challenges that you face, as those who have gone through university before face, is trying to work out who you are and the way in which you relate to the world. See often we seek company and we seek comfort and we seek pleasure and all those are really good things. Um, And yet at the same time we feel lonely and sometimes we feel lost. I don't know what your experience of uni has been like for the first two weeks. Uh, my experience of uni, let me share with you my My experience of uni was a fairly lonely one actually. And uh, I turned up at um, an esteemed university. It wasn't uh, <laughs> uh, My year 120 people, and five of them went to that particular university. Uh, I saw none of them until third year. So I walked onto the campus. I really walked onto the campus week one, day one. Twenty-five thousand people there. Ah, and, and so, for most of my classes, particularly for the first week, I used to sit either right at the back there, or right at the back here. Because I didn't know anyone, so I really didn't want to engage with anyone. And I wanted to make sure that I could leave quickly at the end of the class, just in case I was sort of forced them back. Uh, now, thankfully, uh, that wasn't my experience in uni for the whole of my numerous years that I before. I actually started to Perhaps that's been your experience a little bit. And if you're in second or third or fourth year, that may have been your experience a So, one of the things that we want to try and do is we want to try and fit in. Uh, we want to be known. We want to be able to express ourselves. And so we seek out Relationships, I think. And in a lot of cases, and a lot of times, the relationships go really, really well, I think. think. But at times they get really ugly, and they get messy, and they don't go bad. And it really hurts them. Now, I don't know how many sort of intimate relationships you've been in, but I suspect uh, that some of you have probably been this year. And I think you know the depths of the hurt that you have experienced. So That's human nature. We feel pain, we feel emotion, and we feel lost. You know, this is a Diane Cole. Anyone want to see Diane Cole? <laughs> <laughs> no. The song I go along without you very well. I will not sing it. <laughs> and I'm not going to perform the feelings ones. This is what she sings. She sings, I get along without you very well. Of course I do, except when soft rains fall and drip from leaves, and I recall the thrill of being sheltered in your arms. Of course I do, but I get along without you very well. I've forgotten you just like I should. Of course I have, except to hear a name or someone's laugh that is the same. But I've forgotten just like I should. What a guy, what a fool am I, to think my breaking heart could give a moon. What's in store? Should I phone much more? No, it's best that I stick to my tune. I get along with Athene very well. Of course I do. Except perhaps in screen. But I should never think of screen. Well, that will surely break my heart too. <laughs> That's who we are as people. We will feel pain in relationships. And so one of the challenges for us is what will we do with that and how do we deal with it? Well, I want to suggest that the Bible also traces a bit of a story of the way in which people relate to each other and they relate to God. And so I'm going to put up the names of some of the heroes of the Christian faith, who, if you've ever been to Sunday school or if you've perhaps been encouraged to follow these great heroes of the Bible, you'd recognise these names. Let me give you some of uh, them. We have Noah, uh, who in Genesis 9 to 10 essentially saved him oh, entirely, was left from the flood. Um, but by the way, he's a drunken and his loo sleeps naked. You have Moses the great leader of the nation of Israel, who actually murders someone. You have Abraham, once again the father of many nations, who, when he goes down to Egypt, doesn't want to be known that he's married, so essentially gives up his wife for a time. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Right? You have Samson, Samson, ever you've had to teach the story of Samson to small, smaller children. Oh, I have enjoyed joy of doing it on Sunday. Great story. He saves the nation of Israel by killing thousands of people. But he visits prostitutes. I have to leave that there. <laughs> and finally, we have one of the great kings ever. And we talked a bit about King David last week with his unbelievable wealth and riches. And yet this is the man who commits adultery with a woman whom he sees from his palace and uses his privileged position as king to do so. And what's more, he doesn't stop there. He gets her husband killed by making sure he's out of the front line of battle so that he can take Bathsheba as his wife. These are the great heroes of the Bible. These are the people who have worked out what it means to live well with one another and with God. Well, I want to suggest that perhaps we're not in this category in terms of carrying out some of these acts that these people have done. But in many respects, when it comes to our relationship with God, we, like most of humanity, are not that different. We tend to ignore God and we tend to treat him, unlike the way that he deserves to be treated, we just well, we pretty much just ignore him most of the time. We either just presume that he's not there or he's never listening or he's just not worth giving any time to. Now Jesus tells a story about this in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. I'll read half of it. Jesus tells a story and says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. A man goes to his father, who is still alive, and says, "I want my heritage. I wish you were dead." Essentially, so. and then he takes what could have been saved up over generations, or at least the father's lifetime, and goes and spends it, perhaps in a matter of weeks, if not months, on himself. Uh, the son in the story is lost, absolutely and completely, and in many respects, most of humanity is just like that son. But we are that lost when it comes to our relationship with God. We are that far away. And so as we see in the grand narrative of human history, Jesus arrives to save the lost and to restore relationships. The story continues in Luke chapter 15 about how the Son is restored. When the man came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have many of food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher than So he got up and went to his father. As the father saw him approaching he sent him away and said, you are no longer my son. But fortunately, that's not what the story says. This is how the story continues. So the man got up and went to his father. But while he still was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, My father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened cattle. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The young man who was lost has been found. The father had treated him as good as being dead. And is so overwhelmed with joy that the Son has returned. That they have a great feast and celebrate. If you'd like to read that again later, it's in Luke chapter 15. See, God enters our world to come and save humanity. He enters our world as a man. He enters our world as the man, Jesus Christ. And we read about it in what is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. 316. That verse that is held up at major sporting events all around the country, I always want to know, how do they get the seat right behind the start of the 100 metres of healing? Because all that someone standing there, John 316? How do you do that? Is it reserved, John 316 seat? And you end up sitting there going, I think I'll hold it, it's fine. But this verse is actually very, very significant. For it talks about how Jesus comes to save those who are lost. Notice what John 3 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. See, we want to read the best bits into the verse in John chapter 3. God loves the world. We want to be able to think what we think that means when we say God loves the world. It means God loves everybody. God is at peace with everybody. It'll be okay in the end. But you only have to read on a little bit and realise that actually, no, that's not going to be great. There will be a day, on the last day, when God will come and make all things right. But those who are still lost from God will be judged. That's the reality of the biblical narrative. But God sends Jesus to save those who are lost. And the death and resurrection of Jesus identifies that he is the one who is able to save us who are lost. I wonder how much you invest into your relationships. Perhaps this much. $8.67. Eight dollars and sixty-seven cents. I'm not quite sure that will, what that would buy you if you're going out with somebody. <laughs> how about uh, this much? Eight hundred and sixty-seven million dollars. That's how much we spend on Valentine's Day every year. Is nice. <laughs> that <laughs> I don't know how much was spent on any of you in this particular room. That's, that's a lot of money to spend on people telling them that we love them. But anyone one say it's sort of nice, isn't it? Okay. Um, this article I found this morning, I've got just enough time. This is how much a woman appreciated her boyfriend. <laughs> well, this is one of those what that I'm learning. I get it from the Herald this morning. Headline. Woman crashes car while teenies are her bikini line. <laughs> <laughs> that's <the> <laughs> A woman has crashed the car shaking her. car while obviously in America. A woman has crashed her car while According to the report on the news website, Team from down in Florida, a 37 year old woman crashed her Ford Thunderbird into the back of a Chevy pickup while trimming her pubic hair. There is a point to this story. By the way. <laughs> Megan Barnes. Megan Barnes was allegedly travelling with her ex husband. On her way to visit her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and reportedly needed to, needed to you know, so her husband was hold of the steering wheel while she into the penny. The car then crashed into the back of the Chevy truck while travelling about 70 kilometers an hour. But the story doesn't end there. <laughs> <sort of> <laughs> 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 the pair then drove up swap seats. And when the Florida Highway Patrol Officer got to the scene, Pair claimed that the husband of their airsoft was driving and that the CBS report claims the officer noticed passenger airbag burns on the chest of the man in the driver's seat and that the driver's airbag didn't deploy. Like, that's one of those stories where you read it and you go, that's a great sermon illustration, I've got to use that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so this woman wanted to invest so much in a relationship with her boyfriend in whom she was going to visit that she was happy to do that. That's just absolutely ludicrous in my mind. But I want to know, how much do you invest in your relationships? Can you put a dollar value on it? Because sometimes you can't. See, one of the things uh, that I spent quite a lot of time doing was uh, going out with someone whom I'm now married to. And I've completely forgotten about how much I spent on my now wife when we were going out. But, you know, I found this morning some of the cards that I've written to her. (laughs) <laughs> I was hoping I wouldn't get that reaction, but I think it would be disappointing. <laughs> See, the cards are only this big, and they're brief. Missing you the piece. Hopefully, Ian is okay. I'll speak to you very soon. Much love. Now, I went through the box lights and found lots of them that full of cards. Um, My parents-in-law knew that something was up because I used to send bunches of flowers to her, and when the largest bunch of flowers turned up they'd ever seen, they knew that something significant had probably taken place, and we announced our engagement the next day. I was prepared to invest a lot in the relationship because I loved her and I still do. Now, perhaps you're prepared to invest a lot in the relationships that you have as well. But my question to you is, how much have you invested in a relationship with God? Have you ever considered investing in a relationship with God? Because the God of the universe is the one who loves you and knows you far more intimately than anybody else. He's the one who can sympathise with all of your pain. He's the one who knows all your joys all your excitements, all your hopes, all your dreams and all your sorrows. He is the one who desires to be in a relationship with you. How much will you invest in a relationship with God? He is the one who offers ultimate security and the one who promises to be with you for all eternity. That's a pretty significant relationship to have. And what does it cost? Nothing. Because the price has already been paid in the death of Jesus. See, the God of the Bible is, of his very nature, a God of love. He is a God who desires relationships. And he desires a relationship with you because he's made you. And you are part of his creation. So I want to suggest that today perhaps it's time to turn back to God. Perhaps it's time to reconsider your relationship with him. Because the God of the Bible is committed to saving people like you and me. At that point you might be saying, yeah, I I can't get that. And one of the questions that someone's asked is this, couldn't the God of the universe think of a better way to save humanity than God dying? Surely, if there was another way to solve the problem, God would have done it. Then let his dear beloved son go to the cross. I'm going to give a brief answer to that, and I'm going to deal with it more fully in two weeks' time when we look at some of the difficult questions that Christianity answers. I think the magnitude of the solution, the death of the Son of God, reminds us of the magnitude of the problem. Humanity has a significant problem. We are cut off and separated from God. But God in his great, eternal and persevering love for humanity has a solution, sending his son to die. And that comes at a great cost to him, but a great reward for us. So I'll leave you with this. Perhaps it's time to turn back to God. Perhaps it's time to reconsider your relationship with him. On the response card that we've given you, there's a box that you can tick. Perhaps you'd like to investigate Christianity a little bit more or ask some more questions. Please feel free to do that. We're going to be serving afternoon tea again out the back doors and on the right-hand side. Can I encourage you that if you filled out the slips that you handed into the archers of the door? And I'd love to see you back next week where we're going to address the question of whether or not the frames of Christianity actually stack up. And the way I'd like to try and do this, I think I'm, well, is I'm going to compare it to some of the other major religions in the world. So if these are the sorts of questions that you've got then you might like to come back next week, I'd like to bring a friend who's asking me similar sorts of questions. Thanks for being with us. Look we'll forward to seeing you next week.